Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 31. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I love church. Now, now tell them, I love pastor's shirt. Yeah, I had a few comments about my shirt today. It made me feel a little insecure. I mean, is, this, is the lavender working all right? Okay, thank you. What is it, babe? It's what? It's purple. It's a soft purple. <laughs> Psalm 31. We, we, did you enjoy Mother's Day weekend last Sunday? Didn't Lisa Bevere do an amazing job? What a strong word. I want to tell you this. As good as Lisa was on stage, she was twice as good off stage. Just personally, her spirit, her, her love for you. You know, I, I just, uh, Rachel and I had a blast getting a, a chance to know her better. She spoke so well of the church, and uh, man, I know gave us a, a great word. We tried to wrap up this series called All the Fields. We tried to wrap it up before Mother's Day, but back by popular demand, we're extending it two more weeks. So today, I want to talk to you about loneliness. No, by myself, don't want to be you know, one thing I've discovered, I am a people person. I just love people. I love, I love. How do you think it's important for a pastor to love people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some pastor preachers I know, they love crowds, but they can't stand people. Uh, I love people. And my favorite, my, my favorite part of Sundays, and you may not believe this, it's not standing here and preaching. My favorite part of Sundays is in between services, before and after service, I love to walk the concourse. I love to get up in the raised seating. I love to meet people. I love to be a greeter. I, I love, I, one day they're going to let me be on that greeting team. In fact, I tell you, Rachel, we, we talk about this as Rachel and I get older. Well, she doesn't get older. As I get older, we talk about our dream job. And so what she likes, she likes to press buttons and handle money, press buttons and handle money. I love people. So we've decided that our dream job when we get older is she's going to be a cashier at Walmart and check people out because she likes to press buttons and do money. And I'm going to be a greeter that just puts the stickers on the little kids. Hey, come over here. God bless you. Welcome to Walmart. That's where we're going. I'm telling you, that's where we're going. And, but, but my favorite, my favorite part of Sundays, my favorite part of church is just getting a chance to know you, connecting with you personally. I know sometimes people say, oh, we see you out in public, but we just didn't want to say anything. I'm like, no, come holler at me. You know, you see me at a restaurant, I'll be like, hey, sit down, come on. You like the pita bread? Come on. Extra hummus, extra hummus. I, I just enjoy being with people. And I know for some of you, you are people, people, uh, people persons. You enjoy, it brings energy to you when you're in a crowd or when you get, to get a chance to meet somebody. For others of you, it may actually drain you. I mean, you may get a little anxiety. You know, um, when you're by yourself, you feel really good. I know that there are some moms that they love to just hide from the kids, go to the bathroom, shut the door, lock it, leave me alone. 
just need some solitude. Um, I'm not that way. I, I'm alive when I'm connected to others, when I'm talking to others. And I realized this several years ago. Before Trevor was born, Rachel took the girls and went to North Carolina, and she left me at home for several days. And I got this revelation that I don't like being alone. And so I call people. I mean, she was gone for like four days, and they were the longest days of my life. I was calling all my friends. I was texting people, hey, won't you just come spend the night? These are like grown men that are married with their own kid. Ask mom, I mean, get a yard pass. Come spend the night, hang out. I don't like to be by myself. I know there's a condition, and my kids have taught me this. I'm learning through my children. There's actually a condition, F-O-M-O, FOMO, fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Anybody suffer from that? It's just like, man, if you know that there's a party going on, if I check Instagram and I see you're having a party and I didn't get invited to that party, I got some issues, okay? And um, I, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be left out. And talking of loneliness, there's a, there's a psalm, Psalm chapter 31. I'll give you a little context of this chapter and what David writes. And I think it's very interesting how he pins this chapter because the context of Psalm 31, David is literally on the run again, again. I mean, many of you know he ran from Saul. King Saul tried to kill him, and so he lived as a fugitive. He hid in caves. And now we see David on the run again. This time, it's not King Saul, but it's his son Absalom. His son Absalom rebelled, created a rebellion in the kingdom, and now David has packed his bags again, a go bag. Some of you mamas that have had babies, I mean, you, you know about packing that go bag and just being, I mean, at a moment's notice, when you got to go to the hospital, it's packed. I think David had a someone's trying to kill me go bag packed. He just stayed ready. Absalom had successfully rallied the nation against his dad. And he was now pursuing him into the wilderness for the purpose of killing him. David had lost his family, lost his wife, his children, his kingdom, his home, his reputation, all of that now seemed to be gone, and almost his life. Men who had been lifelong friends with David turned on him. Mm. Mm-mm. How many knows anything about that? People that he thought would be with him to the end. When things got a little dicey, they then separated themselves from David. In fact, as David was leaving the city, People hid their faces from him. This beloved king, this man after God's own heart, was now in one of the loneliest places of his life. And he pins these words in Psalm 31. Read with me in verse 9. He says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I'm wasting away from within. Anybody know what that feels like? Anybody walk through a time in your life where you just felt like you were wasting away on the inside? That your life was shortened because of sadness? Look at what he says, verse 11. I'm scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends... Are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot.
can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Interesting. I'm so glad that the Bible includes moments like this. Because sometimes we come to church and we, we feel like it's got to be happy, clappy, sing song, sappy. I mean, no, it's not always like that. That there are some days and some moments and some experiences that are just hard. And the Bible makes room for this. And I'm so glad that of all men, David recognizes his loneliness. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want to walk you through a discovery as it relates to, to loneliness and identifying that in our lives and what we do with it. I want you to write this down. Number one, we all experience loneliness. Everybody say all. We all. I mean, this is the common denominator of humanity. If you are living, you will experience loneliness at one time or another. Somebody says, well, Mike, can't you be a little more positive? Yes, I am positive. You will experience loneliness in your life in one way, shape, or form. Loneliness comes in waves, it comes in days, and anywhere you think you're safe. It happens in coffee shops, it's on busy street corners, it's even in crowded churches like this. Interesting to me how you can be in a room with thousands of people and still feel all alone. Loneliness doesn't have anything to do with what's going on around you, it has everything to do with how you feel on the inside. And I'm fascinated, too, because we live in a day where modern technology, it continues to grow and expand. Never before in the history of human civilization have we had more power to connect than today. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you have a smartphone? How many of you are still smarter than your smartphone? Yeah, you got Instagram, got Facebook, got social media, you got the internet. I mean, right here at the palm of your hand, you have more power to connect than your parents had, than your grandparents had, than your great-grandparents had. But you know what's fascinating to me? We live in an age where we are so disconnected. Social media is like deferred loneliness. Come on now, are you with me? It's like deferred loneliness, like, well, okay, I'm not really connected, but I'm going to try to live vicariously through other things or through other people. You could have so many likes on Instagram, so many followers on Facebook, and still not have a single friend. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? Now, we don't talk about this stuff in church because, you know, sometimes we equate this kind of stuff with lack of faith. Well, if I was the man of God, if I was brother Bible man or sister super Christian, I would never experience loneliness. When yet Jesus himself, we'll see how Jesus himself walked through seasons of loneliness. It's okay to experience loneliness. And let me just take a moment to address the men. Because I know for men, it's very unpopular for us to admit this. Why is that? Because we equate, I don't know how we do, but we equate loneliness with weakness. And if we recognize that we're lonely, we're sure not going to say anything to anyone because we don't want them to interpret us as being weak. Come on, we got to be strong. We got to be independent. We'll pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We got this. But your heart knows better. And, and this is why I love that David, of all men in Scripture, it was David that recognized his loneliness. David was a man's man. David killed a bear with his own hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't done that. <laughs> this guy was strong. 
He was anointed. He had a heart after God, and he recognizes, my friends want nothing to do with me. I'm distressed. I've got tears. I carry grief and sadness, all these things. What is it that brings upon loneliness? Sometimes transitions in life. Out of curiosity, how many of you are currently walking through a transitional season? Maybe you move from one job to the next. You were uh, working at that job previously for so many years, and you were very familiar. You had friends, but when you transition to a new job, you're in a new place, and it's like you have to press reset and start all over. Some of you moving into a new school. I remember my freshman year in high school. In the middle of my freshman year in high school, my parents moved us from Fredericktown, Missouri, down here to Baton Rouge. My whole life, I had gone to the same school with the same friends. I was well integrated, and I had close relationships. But in the middle of my freshman year, my parents moved us here and dropped me into a brand new place. I didn't know a single person. And I sat by myself at lunch in that cafeteria for weeks. Nobody said a word to me. I mean, it was a painful season in my life. I began to question God. I resented my parents. Wait a second. You changed my life, and, you know, you didn't get my permission to do it. I was very comfortable where I was. Sometimes transition brings seasons of loneliness. Sometimes grief does. If you lose somebody that you love, maybe you've lost a parent. Maybe Mother's Day was one of the most difficult weekends for you ever. Maybe you lost your mom, or moms, maybe you lost a child. And when you lose someone, there's a grief and a loneliness that sets in. Sometimes loneliness is created by our own poor choices. Maybe through sin or through selfishness, we've ruined lifelong relationships. Things are no longer the way they used to be, and we live with regret. But maybe there are seasons of loneliness that God allows. Some of you are in a lonely season right now, and it's orchestrated by the Lord. The second thing I want you to see is this, number two, Don't let a lonely season become a pity party. Mm, Come on now. Don't let a lonely season become a pity party. You say, Mike, what are you talking about? See, if God is walking you through a season of loneliness, here's how it becomes a pity party. When you look at yourself, loneliness turned inward could easily get us in a place where we're thinking only about ourselves. And that's a dangerous thing. There's nothing wrong with being lonely. It is a season. But when you internalize it and make it about you, a lonely season becomes a pity party. How many of you know that when Jesus gets invited to a pity party, that's one party that he spoils? In fact, I remember in in John chapter 5, the Bible says that a man was crippled for 38 years, and he was by this pool called Bethesda. Jesus walked up to this man and said, do you want to be well? And this man said, I can't. I don't have anyone. And some of you are here today, and you've said those words, I can't. The Spirit of God is trying to move you forward, but you say, I can't. I don't have anyone. How many of you know that if Jesus is all you have, he's all you need? Jesus didn't even answer his question, didn't even address his excuses. He looked at him and said, hey, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk on home. And I believe that when when we're in seasons of loneliness that have been orchestrated by God, loneliness does not have to cripple you. You can still be empowered to move your life forward. Are you with me today? 
In fact, I want to encourage you, if you're lonely today, here are three things that I pray over me, and I want you to jot this down because I think this can help you. When I'm lonely, when I've been in seasons and moments and experiences of loneliness, I pray, Lord, build my character. God, build my care. Lord, what is it that you're trying to build or accomplish in me? You know, there was a Harvard medical study that was recently released, and it said this. I thought this was fascinating. Time spent alone can actually increase our ability to empathize. When you go through a lonely season, I want you to know this. It's not about you, but God's trying to build something in you that can help somebody else. Are you with me? You see, I didn't realize, it never dawned on me that people actually ate lunch by themselves until I had to eat lunch by myself. Here I was in the ninth grade, thrust into a new school. I mean, I'm in the cafeteria. And, man, that is a lonely feeling when you have your tray and that cafeteria food and you're just looking. I mean, that's a very vulnerable thing for a 14, 15-year-old kid. And you're trying to figure out where do I sit. Everybody had their cliques. Everybody had their circle of friends. Nobody knew me. Now, it wasn't their fault, but I was more self-conscious. I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes you'll go through loneliness, and you'll be more self-conscious than God-conscious. And so I'm walking in the cafeteria trying to find a place to sit. Nobody talked to me. Nobody acknowledged me. I sat by myself. And then I looked up, and I'm like, wait a sec. There are other people by themselves, too. I had never seen these people before because I was always the one sitting with my friends. Come on, are you with me? Loneliness will help you identify other people and give you compassion for them. I knew what it felt like to be alone, so guess what I did one day? Picked up my tray. I went over to some people that nobody was sitting next to. These were the outcasts. I mean, you got the preppies, you got the jocks, you got all the populars, and then you had these people that nobody knew what to do with. I said, you know what? Can I sit here by you? And so guess what? We begin to connect. All of a sudden now, there was a bond. See, if I'm going to stay in self-pity, I'll be isolated. But if I can look beyond myself, I can find, I can identify with somebody else to help. Come on, are you with me? Then all of a sudden, so several months go by, and, man, we start playing a little basketball. Everybody found out, oh, Mike, that new kid can play basketball. Now all of a sudden, I got some popular people that want to come sit at my table. I got the jocks that want to, hey, Mike, come sit with us. I said, nope, you want to sit with me? You can come sit at this table with all of my friends. See, what was God doing? He was building character in me. Then when Rachel and I started serving here at the church in youth ministry, I had a heart for the loner. The, the teenager that was isolated and sitting by themselves, man, I would look across the, the, the sanctuary and I would go to those on the outside and try to include them. And now 25 years later, we're a part of a church, a healing place for the least, for the last, for the lost, and for the lonely. Come on, can I have a good amen? God, what are you building? Build my character. You know the second thing I pray? Lord, stretch my capacity. If you're in a lonely season, you need to pray, God, enlarge my capacity. One thing I've discovered is out of your deepest pain comes your greatest ministry. Sometimes it takes a lonely season to help you identify what it is that God is doing in you. I pray, Lord, build my character. Lord, stretch my capacity. But then the third thing I pray, Lord, amplify your voice to me. See, sometimes God will have you in, I want you to hear this. Sometimes God will have you in a lonely season because the world is so noisy and he's turning the volume of the noise in this world down. 
so he can amplify the volume of his voice inside of you. Loneliness can give you clarity. Uh, loneliness can eliminate distraction. You don't have to be held powerless in a lonely season. It doesn't have to be a pity party. God can orchestrate a lonely season to do something significant in you. Think about this. Moses. Moses was developed for 40 years on the backside of a desert. How many know he had the call of God on his life from the very beginning, but it took 40 years in the desert to prepare him for his call? Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness after he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness before he ever taught anything, before he performed a miracle. He was in a season of aloneness where God was preparing him. Don't let a lonely season become a pity party. Are you catching this today? I know this is practical. This may not be shouting me down, but I'm telling you, this is going to help somebody. Third thing I want you to see is this. People will disappoint you, but God never will. When you're too dependent on people, you will set yourself up for massive disappointment. And sometimes the truth is we we try to fill the lonely, empty places in our lives with other things or other people. But yet Jesus is the only one who can satisfy us. You catching this? In fact, here's here's kind of the illustration that God gave me. Some of you just woke up. A glazed donut. Come on, somebody. You ever been so lonely you just ate a dozen donuts? Interesting. Here's, here's the way. Here's, I don't know my brain. It's a little abnormal. Pray for my wife and children, okay? But here's the picture that I got this weekend. You know, I love a donut. How many love Mary Lee? How many love a little Krispy Kreme? These came from Fleur de Lis. All right now. All right. Holla. A little Fleur de Lis. In fact, we got, we got 3,700 donut holes for all of you. When you leave today, come, oh, I feel revival in the house now. You're going to leave this place shouting in Jesus' name. It may be sugar, but we'll say it was the Holy Ghost. Come on. So here's the picture. Here's the picture that I had. You know, our lives, when we were, when we were created... When we entered into this world, I'll tell you, loneliness, it started at the very beginning of time, okay? Whenever sin entered into the world, man's fellowship with God was broken. I'm going to tell you where loneliness comes from. We have broken fellowship with God, and then after sin, remember in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says Adam and Eve, they, they clothed themselves with fig leaves. So not only did they hide from God, they hid from each other. Loneliness comes from a separation either from God and or from others. We have a deficit right in the middle of our lives. There's a hole in our soul. Now, what happens is we go through life and we feel this emptiness, and then so what we do is we try to take matters into our own hands, okay? I'm empty on the inside. I've got to do something about it. And so you're saved, you're single, you're searching, and here comes Mr. Chocolate. Hey, how many of you could just say, 
forget boyfriend, forget girlfriend, just give me chocolate. That's all I need. Here comes somebody with a little something that we don't have, and we're thinking, hey, how are you? Well, let's just get to know. What, oh, side hug, side hug. We're in church. Side hug. Got to keep it holy. You know what I'm talking about here now? But you're thinking, hunger, hunger, burning love, man. The answer to all my dreams, oh, Lord Jesus, I love you and I want her. And so here comes somebody that's got a little something, something that you don't, okay? Or, or maybe you've been through a few relationships that didn't work, but here comes Sister Sprinkles. Come on now. <laughs> and you're thinking, man, if we can just get together, I know, I know that you, if, if, if this is going to be the answer to all my problems. Can I tell you, sometimes we'll put expectations on people. We'll expect from people what only God can give us. It's true. It's true in relationships. I'm telling you this. And just because you're single, I'm going to make an announcement to the church. Just because you're single doesn't mean that you're sad. Come on, and all the single people said. Look, man, you're not broken. You're not handicapped. You're not less than just because you're single. I know that sometimes church is geared toward families and every illustration, it's for couples and moms and dads. And we got Mother's Day and Father's Day. And sometimes we're like, okay, what do we do with the singles? Sometimes the church at large doesn't know how to handle singles. Yet Jesus was never married. How many know he was not incomplete? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, he said, look, you do well to marry, but it's better for you to stay single like me. Come on now. Just because you're single doesn't mean you're sad. And just because you're married doesn't mean you're happy. Come on, come on, talk to me. Some people are getting set free. But we have this emptiness, this hole in our soul, and we think a relationship will fill it. We think this person... This job, this achievement, if I just had this, it would fill the hole in my soul. How many know there's still a hole right there in the center? What do you need? You need somebody, come on now, that is the perfect fit. It's not a husband. It's not a wife. It's not a job. It's not an achievement. It's not success. Uh, None of that. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Glory. I feel revival coming. You see, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the emptiness in your life. Quit looking to other people for something that only God can give. Mm, I'm about to take a big old bite of this chocolate. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Ten seconds for a praise break right now, can we? Mm, thank you, Lord. But you gotta have you gotta have some milk too. This is it's not that weak two percent stuff. All you skim milkers out there, we're praying for you. Whole milk right here, baby. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Listen. People will disappoint you, but God never will. So quit propping yourselves up on people. Some of you have gone from one broken relationship to the next one 
because you've tried to fill something inside of you that that individual never could. And until you're satisfied with Jesus, he is the, the, the filling that completes the hole in your soul. In fact, David said it this way in Psalm 31. He said, but I am trusting you, O Lord. And this is what I'm saying. You are my God and my future is in your hands. Can I have a better amen? You see, listen, you thought they were your friends, but Jesus said, man, they got no part of your future. If they haven't invested in your future, why are you walking with them now? Some of you, God has pruned some people out of your life. Some people have left you and you've been sad. And God's saying, no, 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 get glad because they're not a part of your destiny. Come on, somebody say this. Say, God will give me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. Come on, say it again. Say, God will give me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. Say, if I have to stand alone, I'll stand in him. He's more than enough. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. (laughs) All right, let me hustle, let me hustle, let me hustle. Okay, number four, number four, catch this, number four. What you plant in someone else, it'll grow inside of you. What you give to someone else has a way of showing up in your life. Now, this is going to help somebody because if you're in a season of loneliness, don't get self-absorbed, but God wants you to lift up your head and he wants you to give away exactly what you need. What is it that you need? I'm going to tell you this. I talk to pastors all the time and pastors are some of the loneliest, most insecure people on the planet. They are. You think, man, how could a pastor ever be lonely? My goodness, I just couldn't imagine. Guys that are lonely, maybe they're at the top of their organization and they feel like nobody understands. It's hard for them to have relationships. I remember several years ago feeling lonely in my soul and thinking, man, I got a ton of church people and a lot of friends, but I wonder, pastors, who's walking with me? Who's a spiritual father for me? And you know what I felt God tell me? He said, Mike, Why don't you be a spiritual father to someone else? Give away what it is that you need. When some of you have felt orphaned in your spirit, I need spiritual parents. I I need a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. Maybe you didn't have that in the natural and you feel uncovered and you feel orphaned. And God is saying, why don't you be a spiritual parent to somebody else? Be the father that you wish you had. Be the spiritual mother that you wish you had. If you're discouraged, encourage someone else. If you need encouragement, guess what? you got to give that stuff away. Can I have a good amen? If you want friends, be a friend. Some of you need to reach out today. You need to call somebody. You need to text somebody. You need to go have coffee with somebody. You need, in your loneliness, you need to reach out beyond yourself. You see, loneliness wants you always to look in and feel sorry for you. But God says in a lonely season, if you'll reach out, I'll give you exactly what you need. You see, the very thing you need is what you need to give. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. How many's heard that before? It's a law. I mean, I'm telling you, you can't change it. 
It's how God designed it. It works in the kingdom. It works in the natural. You reap what you sow. Say, Mike, I'm lonely. I wish I had friends. Well, guess what? Make a decision from now. Look, some of you, if you'll just do this, for the next three months, if you'll just be proactive in planting seeds of friendship all around you, watch what begins to grow because you reap what you sow. You reap after you sow. You reap more than you sow. Tell you this, sow a seed to match your need. I don't know what it is that you need, and the devil wants you to look at at the deficit in your life. But if you'll use a season of loneliness to do a little personal inventory and identify, okay, if I'm discouraged, I need who needs my encouragement? If, if I feel alone, I feel like I don't have any friends, who needs my friendship? How many need some money in your life? Only two people need money up in here. Wow. Man, I guess next year's uh, uh, offering is going to be $30.6 million instead of 50. Come on, somebody. You need resources. How many need some additional resources in your life? Come on, don't, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Okay, what do you need to give? If you need resources, remember, sow a seed to match your need. Who do you need to bless? Man, i got to pay a light bill. Maybe God's saying take somebody to coffee. Pay for it. If you give, I'm telling you, give, and it will come back to you. But it doesn't come back the same way that it left. It comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Come on, how many want that running over life? So what I need, that's what I'm going to give. Where I feel like I lack, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to sow a seed to match this need. And if you'll do that, it's amazing. Make a commitment. Some of you need to get in a small group. Some of you need to reach out. Some of you need to go through next steps and say, I'm going to be a part of a church. Because you come here week after week and in this big old building with all these people, you still feel isolated. I'll tell you this, probably the greatest The greatest remedy, can I tell you the greatest remedy for loneliness? Here is God's greatest remedy for loneliness. It's the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is heaven's greatest remedy for our loneliness. Jesus hung on the cross. I want you to consider this, and then I'm going to pray over you. I want you to consider when Jesus hung on Calvary, One of the recorded words that he said, he he made seven statements from the cross. But one of the things that he said, this is a prophetic psalm out of Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about that. The son of the living God calling out to his father, God, why have you turned your back on? I don't know what kind of loneliness that you're experiencing, but I promise you, it's nothing like what Jesus did on the cross. As he carried your sin and my sin and the weight of the world rested upon him, he felt forsaken. But Jesus sacrificed himself so that you and I would never be forsaken. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, God says, I will never leave you. He says, I will never forsake you. Jesus took upon himself the loneliness of the world so that you and I could have fellowship with God. 
No, if you study that, that word, I will never leave you or forsake you. In the Greek, there are five negatives, five negatives. Nor not will I leave you, nor not never forsake you. Five times God is saying again and again and again, okay, you're going to be alone? Never, 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 ever, never will I leave you or forsake you. His presence is with us, church. His presence is with us. Do you receive that today? Come on, let's put our hands together and receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.